Welcome, my name is Najar, better known as Woozy, and this is the Creative Balance Show presented by Woozy Apparel, a show where we sit with creatives, hustlers, entrepreneurs, and other brand builders to understand their stories and the balance needed for their success. Today, I'm joined by the lovely Des Washington better known as the Grumpy Burger Lady. Des started her journey at Take Three, a movie-themed burger restaurant, but after surviving the pandemic, decided to branch out on her own. Today, we talk about being resourceful, understanding your capacity, and how you have to take the good with the bad. Enjoy the show. Welcome, guys. It's your boy, Najara aka woozy and we're here at teasers in tower district and we're here with somebody that i'm actually really excited to talk to um but i'm gonna let her introduce herself well hello i'm des washington i am the owner of grumpy burger ladies and d's craft experiences here in fresno uh and i am also um a business to business support specialist for the fresno metro black chamber of commerce that's a lot that's a, that's a good uh like a rap sheet right there <laughs> <laughs> thank you so like i know you say you called yourself a serial entrepreneur is that how you would classify yourself i wouldn't i actually hate that title but mm-hmm. i i recognize that a lot of people probably see me that way mm-hmm. so it it works i i get it i i am definitely a person who has uh tried my hand at many industries <laughs> many jobs many yeah. businesses so yeah i would say in my soul there's a bit of a serial entrepreneur okay. in there so like if you met someone randomly how would you describe yourself um usually i would say i'm a local business owner and a community advocate nice and that kind of wraps up all the things i do into (laughs) that's pretty good that's a pretty good wrap up because like oh okay yeah (laughs) it's pretty broad yeah exactly (laughs) a lot of little stuff that goes under those categories yeah exactly okay um so i want to get into because i've I've watched a couple of your interviews already um and I feel like what's always missing for me, at least especially when I like watching interviews about people, mm-hmm. is like their upbringing. So oh, I want to, I kind of want to ask you more about like how you know. Are you from Fresno? I am originally born. I'm born and raised here. I've lived away a few times, but mm-hmm. Fresno has always had a very good spot in my heart. I was not one of those people who hated Fresno growing yeah. up. Um, I think I can say though that the reason for that is because I had a very good upbringing mm-hmm. um you know obviously have my traumas or whatever yeah. from my childhood but i al- always acknowledge that i was very blessed to grow up in a two-parent household mm-hmm. and knew both my parents i know where my crazy comes from <laughs> 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 you know and um and i also grew up experiencing a lot of things i was blessed to be able to travel around a lot um my parents would take us, you know, around California. And then as I grew up, I started to travel out of state, now out of the country. I think that was a big piece of not hating Fresno, yeah. seeing other places, realizing, oh, I don't really like the people in LA, right? I really don't like the people in New York, <laughs> you know, and just realizing why this place is beautiful, why mm-hmm. the people here are beautiful, why their energy is so good. That's what everybody else loves about Fresno, too. Celebrities come here all the time. They go, there's just something about this place. Yeah. Maybe it's the women. <laughs> like, yeah, no, exactly. it's the energy. It's, you know, it's that homegrown 
working class folk mm -hmm. who, you know, are family oriented. You don't find that everywhere. You don't find this sense of community for all the things that are wrong with Fresno. Um, that is, I think, ingrained across all of us, all races and cultures and, you know, yeah. socioeconomic status. I think we're just cool working folk yeah. who appreciate like a family environment. So I was, yeah, my upbringing was um, pretty pretty good and pretty blessed and and with a lot of opportunities to see a lot of things go to different events i used to get dragged a lot as a kid to like <laughs> um a lot of the black events in towns things that i attend now there yeah. used to be this thing called evening of elegance um that i don't know i think the african-american studies at fresno state or somebody put it on and uh -huh. you know i'd be like my kid's age nine at this like formal dinner okay. you know and he, bored out of my mind but <laughs> but you know i recognize as an adult that is a big piece of why i'm so comfortable moving in all the spaces i'm comfortable in i've been here i've already been here for a lot of years you know so exactly it's less intimidating i think <laughs> so i know you said you traveled a bunch of places you where were the is it was it just new york and la or oh no you know i've been all over the country i haven't been to as many other countries as i would like um i'm getting into that more as an adult and with more budget right yeah exactly because definitely wasn't raised wealthy by mm -hmm. any means i think i was i was raised by um creative people entrepreneurs as well nice. my dad is definitely a serial entrepreneur <laughs> um so people who see opportunities and seize them people who are able to do a lot with a little bit mm -hmm. that definitely is a huge part of my personality and so uh yeah i've been able to do some really cool things with some really small budgets <laughs> <laughs> well i remember someone um i had interviewed someone um his name is caleb he he's starting a church and he was talking about creativity is like doing the most you can with less mm -hmm. and i feel like that's a good definition when you come especially when you think about like entrepreneurship and things like that and people Absolutely. who are creatives it's like when you see what they had and like what they made or what they were able to do it's like out of nothing yeah you know it was really interesting i started consulting um i started as an event planner for my career for a long time and I worked in entertainment productions and and throwing my own events and different things and um, eventually that led me to consulting for other people because what I could see around me was all of these organizations and businesses and people just mm -hmm. throwing money at stuff they don't understand so at yeah. first I was like oh I'm gonna get some of this money <laughs> you know but also when I started consulting it started to become about teaching people how like you, you have these budgets, you have this money, you need these people to come to you, to gather with you so you can get your message across, but you're not efficiently doing it. You just spent $10,000 on an event that I could have done for $500. Exactly. Because <laughs> of the connections I have and the people that I know and mm -hmm. the audience that I have built up around me, right, organically. And, you know, it's not about the, the price tag of something. Yeah. It's really about the energy behind it. It's about your connection to the community and people. That's what you need to yeah. really be successful. And I, I think a lot of people just think, it's money. I'm going to put this big fancy thing on. And I've been to many empty, beautifully decorated rooms. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Well, I know Fresno definitely has, you know, if anybody who's lived in Fresno for a certain amount of time knows that, there's been a lot, many events that you could tell was a lot of money put into it, Absolutely. but this wasn't the right people or the, you know, they yep. weren't advertising probably whatever, whatever it could have been. And then you go to the event, you're like, yeah, just me? is also a really strange market. It's, <laughs> yeah. it's not your average, you know, you go somewhere else to another major metropolitan city and people are seeking experiences. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. One thing I will say about Fresno, and that goes back into that hardworking folk, family-oriented, we don't quite have that 
you know, Jay Z don't sell out here. <laughs> you yeah. know, Beyonce. If Beyonce comes somewhere and does not sell out, yeah. <laughs> like this, this is a different kind of place. Exactly. It's very different. The audience is different, and definitely anybody getting into business has to be aware of that. Mm-hmm. How do we reach these people? Because these people are not all people at all. At all. <laughs> definitely went to a Chris Brown concert and it was not sold out, and it's like. You know, and then my friend just went and sack, you know, recently and all the seats are sold out. People sitting on the grass, <laughs> yeah. all in the back. You know, it's just different. I don't know. I haven't really put my finger on why it's different 100 mm-hmm. percent, but this is definitely a different kind of market. Yeah. Interesting. So, like, what about so to go back a little bit, how was like you said upbringing, your upbringing here was a little bit different. Like, what do you, what do you mean by that? You talking about like your younger life or, you know, um, Fresno is a very poor city, mm-hmm. especially for black folks, right? Mm-hmm. You know, um, especially in, in my generation of people, I bring up being raised in a two-parent household because a lot of people around me did not have the benefit of that, black or anything. Yeah. Did not, um, you know, I think um, your parents are such, play such a big role, whether they're doing it right or not. Yeah. You know, whether everything they're doing is, is, is for the best for you or... Or if it's just their, the best way they know how, mm-hmm. at least they were there, mm-hmm. you know? And I think that is such a huge piece of who I am, being able to process that all these years about the things that I like, the things that I don't like, yeah. how, you know, who, who, what I want to be like them mm-hmm. and when, what I don't want to be like <laughs> them, exactly. you know? I think that has been pivotal for me. I think that's a big key piece that I feel sad for a lot of people that they're missing. Yeah, it is a a big difference. I wasn't blessed to have a full that full situation, but uh, my mom did get married early. Um, she ended up divorcing him, but she got married early, so I got that that, that intro. male role model. Yeah. yeah, and that you can definitely feel the difference of like when that person was there, and then the life after that. It's like yeah. it is a major shift. Absolutely, and you can definitely. Um, I can definitely see how that would make a big difference. So, like you say, you're you said. Um, we we'll also want to ask real quick: How did Fresno? Like since since you were younger to now, has Fresno, Fresno changed much or has it been the same? Heck or? yeah, yeah. Fresno's changed a lot. Um, I think a lot of people see Fresno as like this land of opportunity. People come here from other places and they're like, "Why isn't it more than this?" Yeah. And they think, "Oh, I'm gonna make it more, right?" So mm-hmm. I think what I've learned over the years is uh, it's not that kind of place. You're not, <laughs> not gonna come in and wave a magic wand and fix everything. Um, there are some very deeply rooted systems here Mm -hmm. and ways of life here that are just like ingrained right or wrong yeah (laughs) you know again and um yeah fresno has changed tremendously because i think the dreamers keep dreaming Mm -hmm. um so things are they get built (coughs) and they get revitalized and they get you know efforts are always being made very slow Mm -hmm. but but i have seen a lot of growth in fresno i mean um you know the mural arts district is one of the things that stands out the most to me. As a kid, I actually um, attended church in the building that's now like those Fulton Street lofts. Oh, wow. That was our like raggedy church building (laughs) in the early 2000s, late 90s, early 2000s. Yeah. And that neighborhood was just poor. Yeah. It's interesting because now a lot of that is still sprinkled in there. A lot of those places haven't necessarily been overhauled and gentrified yet. Mm -hmm. Um, 
so it's a mixed neighborhood and it's interesting i live in that neighborhood now and to see all the beautiful homes and people jogging and walking animals (laughs) not the hood anymore you know and that's really interesting because i remember doing outreach Mm -hmm. to that community through our church and Mm -hmm going door to door and it definitely didn't look like it looks now exactly you know, it's a totally different place well, i know like the major difference i see too is like something like fulton street like i remember as a kid like yep. mom was like do not walk down that street by yourself <laughs> like walk around go go by the park and come back and now you're like yeah it's like bougie yeah it's, <laughs> it's definitely changed for the better and yet still somehow so far behind oh yeah i think that's the thing that's always crazy yeah and what's crazy for me i mean now i'm i'm pushing 40 so before you know before i think you're like mid 30s you don't have a ton to reflect on over your adult life but then Mm -hmm. once you start to get to be like oh 15 years ago 20 years ago you know Mm -hmm. um when you start to look at it in that way it's like god have we made enough progress (laughs) have we done are we doing enough why is this moving so slowly (laughs) yeah why you know but that is kind of how it is here exactly it's very it, at its own pace. Mm-hmm. Yep. <laughs> Fresno's going to do what Fresno's going to do. 100%. <laughs> so you said your family, you said your dad was a serial entrepreneur. Like, what, what was, when you say that, what do you mean? Um, so I, when I was born or shortly after I was born, my dad, my dad had already been a contractor. My, my grandfather got him into contracting mm-hmm. and uh, construction work and he was already a contractor, but he opened a restaurant shortly after that. Yeah. And uh, was it got in the burger business when I was really young. Okay. So that's where my background in burgers, nice. you know, started, was growing up in the back office of that restaurant. Yeah. Um, you know, um, but he's always done both. He does mm. all the things. That oh, fly wow. is like. I know it's killing me. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. He wanted to be part of the interview. I know, right? He's like, what's up? Mike Pence's fly. <laughs> like coming in here causing trouble. Set up a little mini mic up for him. <laughs> <laughs> right, he needs a headset. Um, yeah, but uh, so he's always done construction. I remember when I was young, he used to go. He got some seller's license at some point. He used to go to the alley in L.A., get clothes, bring them back to Fresno. He'd be walking in the barbershops in the salon, selling women clothes. Like, yeah, he's just <laughs> the ultimate hustler. I mean, but this is a person who also owns a construction company, owns a restaurant business. Yeah. But he's walking in the salon to sell bitches clothes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> my bad. Yeah. It's but, good. You know, like I, I definitely have yeah. always respected my dad's hustle. <laughs> I get, a, I get that from him. Yeah. Like, there's nothing that. That's how I started my bartending business. It started as me being the bartender because mm-hmm. I was realizing that the bartenders at my event were making more money than I was making planning the event yep. and working it and setting it up and breaking it down and cleaning mm-hmm. up. And I'm like, she just walked out of here with three grand. And I'm only making $1,500 tonight. Exactly. Like, that's not okay. <laughs> you know, and it was very humbling to become this bartender. You know, it was at a weird time in my life when I was uh, getting a divorce. Financially, I was definitely not where I needed to be. Mm-hmm. Um, people knew me already, though. They knew me as a business owner. They knew me as a community advocate. They knew me as a consultant. Now I'm a bartender. Yeah, exactly, <laughs> yeah. right? Now I'm a bartender. But I was building something. Mm-hmm. I was I was finding the holes in the business, you know, because I had experienced them. And that's what entrepreneurs do, right? You you see a problem and you solve it. And exactly. I saw a problem and I solved it for myself. And, exactly. you know. Okay. So what about, can you say your dad was a serial entrepreneur? Were you also a hustler before, you know, when you were younger or? 
Yeah. Uh, you know, I got my first job when I was 12. Oh, wow. Even before that, though, mm-hmm. I was babysitting. Mm-hmm. At an age that feels like it was probably too young to be leaving kids. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. You know, my son, he's nine. I got to think probably a year or two from there, I was already babysitting like six of my cousins. Yeah. While my aunts (laughs) and uncles and my parents all went out, you know, and they give me 20 bucks and I watch all the kids, Mm -hmm. you know, for the night. And I was always like the grown up. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So I've been been a hustler for sure since I was young. Um when I was working at the daycare, I was able to save a bunch of money. And uh, I remember that next school year, we were set to go to New York um, to be in the Macy's Day Parade. Oh, wow. Yeah, I was in Color Guard. I was like a band <laughs> geek. <laughs> but not even a musician. The yeah. one spinning the flag. <laughs> you know? And uh, so I was move. able to like make like $2,000 over that summer. And oh, I remember wow. spending every penny of it in New York. Every <laughs> penny. I don't even know how I got all the stuff I bought home. Like my bag just must not have been that full. But I yeah. bought like a whole wardrobe in New York. Oh, wow. It, just was, it was. So, yeah, I've always understood that money mm-hmm. is you buy things with money. You yeah. need money to buy things. Exactly. Like, yeah. So I started hustling young because I wanted things. <laughs> Yeah, that yeah. makes sense. So I started from a young age. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. It was definitely always there. To you all listening, I know you can tell that Des has a passion for two things, the skill at hand and her community. To be honest, how couldn't she be? From only at the age of nine being dragged into community events and doing community outreach, to traveling away from her hometown and getting perspective on what it makes it so great, to even having her father around, being the true definition of a hustler. Des took these unique set of experiences and used them to her advantage early on, so much so that she was able to save $2,000 for a color guard trip to New York. Having these experiences widened her scope at such a young age, gave her a better understanding of where she was in the world, what she wanted, and as we'll hear next, what she had to do to obtain those things. Did you, so you, at what age did you go into, like you say, you helped out with your dad and stuff like that? Um, when I was in 2013, he was like, I think I'm gonna open another restaurant. And at the time, I was kind of like between things. I was pregnant with my daughter mm-hmm. and um, didn't have a lot going in my career. I'd been like a stay at home mom for a couple of years with my son. I was itching to get into something. And so I was like, yeah, let's do this. Like, mm-hmm. let's, let's do it. We had talked about doing, you know, something together for years. Working with families hard, though, and it just was kind of that magical. Trust, I know. Yeah, it just aligned. And so we decided to open Take Three, which was our, our burger spot that was on uh, Fulton Street for about almost seven years. Mm-hmm. And it Long was good. Run. Yeah. Exactly. It was good. So I'm a, I'm a, I am I'm want to get into the, the business part of it then, like, because like you said, you have a a good, like a good rap sheet, honestly. <laughs> a like, big rap sheet. <laughs> do. So... Again, I asked you before, but I'm going to ask you one more time. Like, do you consider yourself as a, a businesswoman or do you consider yourself an entrepreneur? Like, how, do, hmm. how does that? Yeah, you know, I'm like one of those people. I'm, I guess I'm a commitment foe because I, don't, I just don't like titles. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not the biggest fan of titles, but I know this. Because it just feels limiting mm-hmm. and it, it also feels like. A lot of people who don't deserve titles throw titles around. Yeah, exactly. So for me, I. I just go by whatever other people say. <laughs> exactly. 
It's not really, yeah, I consider myself a woman of the people. That's what I would say that I consider myself. I love people. Mm-hmm. I love helping people. I love feeding people. Mm-hmm. love getting people drunk. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> love, love having a good time with people. Exactly. What I am is a woman of the people. <laughs> it is all about that for me. It's about yeah. having a good time. Everything, and no matter what, if it's just eating a burger, it's like, we're having a good-ass time. Yeah. Like, that's what I am, nah. if anything. <laughs> like I said, I, I like that answer way better. Like, and I, that's that's the funny thing. Like, me, you know, making a question like, what's an entrepreneur or businesswoman? Like, as I was looking up the definition, I was like, what's the definition of entrepreneur? The definition of entrepreneur is someone who takes a larger than normal financial risk <laughs> on multiple bi- and runs multiple businesses. Hmm. I'm like, I guess. <laughs> okay. I was like, I, I mean, didn't know that was I, a definition. I could be that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm that. Yeah. <laughs> Definitely t- taking more than my fair share of financial risk <laughs> to open several businesses. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah. So... So you got into the burger business with your dad, and what? How old were you when you started that? So I was twenty nine. Okay, I was twenty nine. Yeah, and I think I'd always loved burgers, and I I'm a very like I love themes, mm-hmm. which that's where like the Barbie pop up and things like this come from. It's mm-hmm. me exercising that creativity. I just love to like create themed things, and yeah. so um, I would say starting that business made me love burgers even more (laughs) and become like low-key like obsessed with burgers not just as a food but as a concept as Mm -hmm. a lifestyle (laughs) (laughs) i just and when i get on a project i immerse myself Mm -hmm. so here we are and we're opening a restaurant and i took that shit very seriously Mm -hmm. like you know, um, my dad was like, oh, I'm thinking about putting a couple movie posters up. Movie posters? Yeah. Absolutely not. <laughs> I know a muralist. You exactly. know, and this, this is before a lot of people were doing murals and stuff. Mm-hmm. Like, it, it definitely lots of people got murals after we did that and put up in their place of business. But like, so I felt really good to be, you know, on the front end of that trend and to have had, like, I really dove deep into it. And uh, I felt like I contributed a lot to the business. It was really where I first saw myself as an entrepreneur, even though I had been Mm self-employed for a number of years, like on a project to project basis. This was my first time, you know, seeing what it takes to open a storefront, Mm -hmm. which is a lot. It's easier because my dad's a contractor. Right. So we get that's nice. (laughs) We get that already and we don't have to worry about that piece of things. But, you know, the furniture and the layout Mm -hmm. and the functionality, the logistics, the staffing, you know, our customer service and all those things. I was really, you know played a lot of key roles in doing that kind of stuff and finding things within our very small budget because even though he's a contractor and you know he's an entrepreneur we don't have a buttload of money Mm -hmm. to just pour into this we built that restaurant on a string and a prayer like Mm -hmm. but not necessarily because we had to but because we were resourceful enough to do so exactly and i thought that was so cool that's something i still keep with me for sure till this day is like that's, we did a dope thing well, with very little. I've been I've been to Take Three many many times, and like I said, it was definitely like I think people take for granted not especially when you think about like people who want to pop up a business here. It's like they take for granted like the experience when you walk in because like you said, you walk in, it was movie, it was a movie theme mural, bur- mm-hmm. yeah, movie theme restaurant. I remember getting what I think it was called the Bernie Mac Burger. Yeah, yeah, it was like like I said, it's just something about the whole the whole and like even just thinking about the name in the burger. Is its own experience. And I think some people just kind of look over those things. and Yeah, people would come in, and that, that was a joy to watch 
hundreds of people walk in the door and look at something you created. Mm-hmm. All that. All that. What's, and then yeah. they stop me all the time. What movie is that? <laughs> what? And I loved it. I loved it. Mm-hmm. I loved being like, ooh, I can't wait for someone to ask me this question. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, watching people take pictures and things like that. We were. It was a, a way for me to express my creativity you know, in something that could be very mundane, making burgers and cleaning up after people and, you know, doing customer service, which is very difficult. Mm -hmm. It's not necessarily something that has to be fun or can be fun for a lot of people. Um, But I, it was a tool for me to exercise my Mm -hmm. creativity. And that was the part that brought the joy out of it when Mm -hmm. I have to like go clean up after the homeless dude that shit all over the floor, you know, exactly. <laughs> like it's just, you know, but it was like, okay, I, I still love this. Like mm-hmm. even the parts of it that don't feel good mm-hmm. because of the parts that I was able to, you know, the other stuff, the events and the pop-ups and mm-hmm. you know, yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. So I'm going to ask you too, I want something fun. Cause right. you, like I said, you've been in the burger game for a long time. So I, I, I made something pretty fun. It's yes. overrated, underrated, over, under. All right. I got a bunch of toppings for burgers. Okay. I want you to tell me if it's overrated or underrated. Ooh. Onion rings. Overrated. There is just no way you can get that perfect bite <laughs> multiple times on a burger with onion rings. Like you'll yeah. have either it's going to be too much onion ring, too much breading. Maybe you pulled the onion out. Like yeah. it's just like merp. Like yeah. it, it doesn't do its job. It's, okay. Maybe if it were like a bunch of tiny onion rings. Yeah. <laughs> but, <laughs> but in most cases, un- overrated. No, overrated? Okay, bacon. Oof. Could never be overrated. Yeah. Bacon is king. Bacon is God. <laughs> the land of rated. burgers. <laughs> Egg. Ooh, underrated. Yeah. Because a lot of people be like, what? And I'm like, I'm like, what? You ain't had an egg on a burger? Yeah. And it's and it can add things in so many ways. Like it could be fried and mm-hmm. then it's just kind of crispy and you get in that different vibe. Or it could be like the over easy and you got that extra little sauce, uh-huh. you know, to go around little drippings. Yeah. Egg is totally <laughs> underrated. <laughs> I got a few more. I love burgers way too much. <laughs> Listen, I'm way I'm, too I'm, passionate I'm a, about me this. Me and my cousin go through this all the time because he's like, bro, burgers is one dimension. I was like, nah, you, you just ain't explored it yet. Don't ever disrespect <laughs> burgers like that. Yeah. <laughs> Oh my God. <laughs> so, sauteed peppers or salt and slash like sauteed peppers slash sauteed onions. Ooh, underrated. Um, we, you know, I know people love raw onions, mm-hmm. but raw onions are not for everybody. To me, sauteed onions are for everybody. Yeah. People who don't like onions and who don't read the menu at Grumpy Burger Ladies don't realize that all of my burgers come with caramelized onions. Mm-hmm. Now, what I know from being in this business for a long time is most people go, I don't like onions. Yeah, exactly. I don't. But you didn't notice your non-onion loving ass didn't notice it was all kind of grilled onions all up in that burger. Exactly. And it was delicious. It was part <laughs> of the flavor profile that you were missing out on before and you just didn't know because you're convinced you don't like onions. Yeah, just because. You can't do that with raw onions. I can't like sneak attack you with some raw onions. Yeah. Like, you're going to be like, what? I said I don't like onions. Yeah, like, raw onions will definitely... I always make the joke that raw onions and pickles... Fun fact, I hate pickles. Like <laughs> Raw onions and pickles are like if you're, if there's like a choir, it's like that one lady that's taking it too far. You're like, like where'd this come from? Yeah, I could deal with white onions, but red onions is like, oh, mad aggressive. Yeah. It just feels like it stays with you all day. Oh yeah, hundred <laughs> really percent. Like, God, <laughs> you have to be committed to be with a red onion. Exactly, that's like a committed relationship. <laughs> <laughs> so I got a few more, two more, mushrooms. 
ooh, super underrated. Mushrooms are amazing. And they have like like that meaty bite. Mm-hmm. They can add different flavors because you can season them however you want. I usually like to do like garlic butter with my mushrooms, right? But white mushrooms cheese or yellow. White cheese or yellow cheese with that? You know what? I feel like white is, and I am not like a like a Swiss person or like, you know, but with mushrooms, you gotta. I don't know why that flavor profile is just classic. Yeah, it just works together. Yep. So last one, avocado slash guacamole. I've seen both on burgers, but that avo- the avocado spread. I'm going to be honest. I think it's overrated. Go ahead. But I feel like uh, <laughs> I shouldn't say that. Avocado was probably our number one selling topping. Yeah. But to me, putting something cold on something that's supposed to be hot, it's just, it's a little risky. Yeah. Right? You're just risking that either the thing that you wanted to be cold gets hot or the thing that you wanted to be hot gets cold. And I Mm. guess we could say the same thing about veggies. But veggies are different. They withstand the heat a little better, right? The lettuce Mm -hmm. and the tomatoes. They're not going to immediately wilt. Whereas avocado turns pretty quick. Yeah. I don't know. So for me overrated <laughs> me personally i'm not mad at that no at all. shade <laughs> all right that was that was it any any topics any toppings other cop toppings you feel like are underrated any toppings that are underrated pastrami i think pastrami can go really good on a burger but i think um i also think it's too salty mm. uh for a lot of people so you got to do it the right way i used to put like honey mustard on my pastrami mm, okay. burger right so the sweetness kind of cuts mm-hmm. through the salt okay. and yeah you gotta to me you gotta mix it up nice with that for me if you're just looking for something hella salty then just eat pastrami on it but yeah (laughs) but like i also feel like that's a fun or you could play with like blue cheese and then you got that little like you know bitterness with the salt and it's good there's a lot of good flavor profiles you can create with pastrami yeah (laughs) okay doke so now to go back you know you worked at take three you said they're open for seven years Mm -hmm. so open for seven years how did that like how did that experience you know, how was that experience and how did that evolve into like where you are now with Grumpy Burger Ladies? You know, it was definitely the launch pad for me to open Grumpy Burger Ladies. Um, like I said, I learned all about what having a storefront is like through running that, managing that, um, helping build it. Um, and when it closed, you know, COVID is was really the reason mm-hmm. and um there were certain industries that were thriving construction was one of them so it was really easy for my dad to go back to what he was doing before but for me it was like i think i, I still need this i still want this mm-hmm. I, people already knew me as the grumpy burger lady just for my instagram profile yeah. it was my name and so it was like an obvious choice for a name mm-hmm. um the concept for my burgers I also already just kind of had in the back of my mind. It Mm -hmm. had already ideas. That's one thing about ideas that are really cool. And I learned this as a songwriter. Hang on to like that good idea. There's going to be things all the time that in the moment you're like, oh, that's really great. But the implementation is just not there. Maybe for years. Mm -hmm. You know, the smush burger is kind of one of those things. It was an idea that I had in a random conversation with a friend that was like, make smash burgers. I was like, no. I'm not making something somebody else already made. Mm-hmm. I want to make something else. You know, that's what Smush Burgers was. Yeah. It was already in there years later. Mm-hmm. Here I go. I'm starting my own thing. What am I going to do? Oh, I'm going to do that thing I thought of that one time. Mm-hmm. You know, so that was kind of how that came about. And, and everything just kind of flowed. I I was approached with an opportunity um, to open up a brewery 
And that kind of got me going. Mm -hmm. It wasn't the right opportunity for me. I wanted something bigger, something more. And um, but, you know, it's this all these little things are going to be the thing that leads to the big thing. Exactly. All these little seeds planted along so the way. For those who don't know, explain what a smush burger is. A smush burger <laughs> is. So first your toppings go down. And, uh, you know, your bacon, your mushrooms, your blue cheese, and it starts to, you know, caramelize on the grill. You smush your meat into the top of those toppings. And so all that goodness is like cooking into the meat, too. It also guarantees that the patty stays juicy. People think when I smush it that I'm smushing out all the juice. Like, it's impossible. Yeah. It's not possible, honey. <laughs> but, you know, and then uh, so you, you get that nice and cooked and and all smushed together and then uh you add that to a brioche bun uh with two slices of cheese and then you smush that oh wow all day so it's like everything's smushed it's like home it's yeah. warm and it's melty it's <laughs> extra super cheesy because i love cheese and yeah it's like it was and it was kind of a variation of things that i would make at uh -huh. the restaurant for myself right yeah. when you work at a restaurant and you people will be like do you eat fries every day yeah. <laughs> do you eat burgers every day <laughs> and the funny thing is yeah like low key if you're yeah. busy yes because you don't have any other options exactly so there would be things that i would make for myself that i was like you know cuz i'm tired of <laughs> the same thing all the time smush burger is definitely the type of thing i would have made for myself at mm. take 3 okay. when i was like i'm hungry and i got to go <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Well, that makes sense. Cause when I used to work at Chef Paul's, that was what we always did. Like, you know, I used to work with Eddie, and that's what we always do. Like, when it died down and we're hungry, it's like, we're not eating what's on the menu that we eat. We could eat all the time. It's like, right. we're going to remix something. Exactly. That's, that's where some of the best ideas come from. The best creations <laughs> come from that. Exactly. Yeah, trying stuff out. Okay, so how now you go from take three. How how was that period of COVID? I know, I know you were doing... Even though COVID was rough, I know my grandpa's restaurant was it was rough during COVID. A lot of food industries got took a hit because first they were closed and they say you could be open, but now mm -hmm. people aren't coming and in. And all the food shortages mm -hmm. and you know prices being sky high and the lack of foot traffic. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, it was it was a big hit just in general. Everybody had to pivot or mm -hmm. die. You know, exactly. a lot of businesses died. A lot of businesses died. I would say that I feel blessed because of my upbringing, because of being this serial entrepreneur. Just like my dad pivoted, I pivoted. And yeah. It wasn't, um, you know, it didn't feel like an impossibility, even when it was really rough. Mm -hmm. I learned a lot about myself in that period, my ability to survive mm -hmm. at a time when, like, the biggest industries weren't surviving. You know, there are still things that just have never been the same ever again and like so those of us who were able to continue making money and so that's something i'm really proud of to have been able to make it through that period yeah i didn't do a lot with burgers during that time um because i'm gonna be honest the food food serve the profit margin on food is just not that high <laughs> so i pivoted yeah. to my business that was you know better profit margin alcohol mm -hmm. and that was kind of what sustained me and then i also got more heavy into my consulting which mm -hmm. is what led me to the chamber eventually nice. um yeah, so I just pivoted. We well, all did. Yeah. I also saw. I also saw that you gave over like six hundred burgers away. We did. I remember you were really pushing those burgers. We were open until December of twenty twenty, <laughs> so we got through that first year. And the way we got through that first year was was through this like charitable thing that we just kind of started doing. Um, I was still going to the stores every day, even though everybody else was sheltered in place because they're like, "Oh God, this is terrifying." Blah blah blah. Mm -hmm. I, that wasn't my life. I 
We sold the restaurant. We didn't know what was going to happen. So I was still going and shopping at stores that were empty and the shelves were empty and mm-hmm. seeing the people thinking, God, they have to feel so scared mm-hmm. or, you know, because they don't have a choice. Exactly. They're essential and they don't have a choice that like I'm super empath. So that's usually what drives everything that every idea that I get is like I connected with those people and felt so sad for them Mm -hmm. felt like this has to be so scary and so hard everybody else just gets to go home and sit at home and watch from the tv and you have to be here Mm -hmm. so that was really what started it was like i want to take them free food also this girl had given us two hundred dollars that was where it really started she gave us two hundred dollars and she said give burgers out just give 20 burgers out yeah but nobody would come get the burgers. <laughs> they were like, well, give it to someone less fortunate. So that was where the idea came from. I okay. thought to myself, well, who's suffering the most right now? I knew there was a, people with food insecurities. So we also obviously reached out to families who, you know, people were displaced. There were people living out of hotels during that time. Mm-hmm. It, there were so many people in such terrible situations. It was the joy of my life to be able to bring food to people who had a smile on their face. It was just a smile. Mm-hmm. Here, some burgers. And they were like, thank you. Yeah. <laughs> you know, this is a really shitty time. Thank you for those burgers. Is there an interaction at that time that sticks out, sticks out to you in your memory? Um, all of them, you know. <laughs> I think it was... It was all of them. I think the only inter- interactions that stick out, I'm going to be honest, are the negative ones. Because it was mm-hmm. like, how do you have room to be a fucking asshole <laughs> with the world the way it is right now? Yeah. That's what really stood out. There was so much beauty. So, so much beauty in that process. Um, and people were so humble. But some people were not. Mm-hmm. Some people could not. Yeah. Some people just do not have empathy. Mm-hmm. And yeah, so I would say the real standout situations were probably things that were not cool, <laughs> you know? <laughs> exactly. It's never as simple as it seems. No matter if it was Take Three, Dee's Crafts Experience, or the Chamber of Commerce, Dez had to assess the pros and cons and make the best decision for the circumstances as they continue to change. And that's a nugget that we can take here. You will be faced with opportunities that have their own benefits and challenges. But if you're able to vet those situations based on your current circumstances, you can make a sound decision at each turn. But if you listen to Des, that doesn't mean everything is going to be rainbows and sunshines. For example, when it came to Take 3, she was able to make great food while also putting emphasis on creating an equally great customer experience by use of her creative decor and movie theme ideas. But that didn't mean she didn't have to deal with some less than pleasant people and do some tasks that others would shy away from. You have to take the good with the bad. Let's continue to listen and see how she was able to pivot through the uncertain times of the pandemic. <laughs> exactly. Okay, doke. So then, so pandemic happens. Obviously, like you said, if you were a smart business person at that time, you really just had to pivot. Like, I mean, some people want delivery and things like that. But you decided to go the route of bartending, doing a bartending service. How how was that? Like, how did that idea? So I'd already be? been bartending, and um, I I already knew people like my drinks. They like I had custom menus um, mm-hmm. that I had already created, and um, so at that time I just decided, let me get more creative. People are sitting at home; they don't got nothing to do. Um, so I just got creative with it and started, yeah, doing mixing and my little doing videos online and mixing stuff up, entertaining people. That's what I do. I'm good Mm -hmm. at 
you know, and, and just engaging folks, dropping off stuff to people. <laughs> Sometimes I'd be probably the only person somebody saw in a day, you yeah. know, dropping off something on their porch. And <laughs> here you go, you know. So, again, trying to bring people joy in mm-hmm. times of sadness. That's that's my, my main goal, I think, always. And, yeah, it was good for me, too, because it got me up out of the house. I had lost so many opportunities. 2020 was supposed to be a really good year for me, like it was for a lot of people. And... Um, I built to a really good place in my career mm-hmm. and I was proud of the things that were coming and then just have all those things just ripped out from under you mm-hmm. like overnight and you're hoping and praying, please don't let this cancel. Please let this be over. Please, please, please. No, yeah. like, please don't <laughs> let this drag into March. Don't let it drag into April. Yeah. Don't let it. Dra-. And then you realize this is it. This is it. This yeah. Is just this it. is the life right now. This is it. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, pretty quickly I was just like, okay, all that's done. All those thousands of dollars are not coming to you. <laughs> Yeah. You know, so what else are you going to do? What are you going to do? Mm. And it, so like, what, it, where is that at now as far as like? So, um, the bartending business is complicated, mm-hmm. you know, because, uh, I'm still not, l- well, it's, it's just complicated. It's harder. There's a lot of red tape to do any business. In order for me to do what I want to do to that business, I'm going to have to, um, get my liquor license at my restaurant and it's going to make it easier for me to brand my products and my drinks and sell them Mm -hmm. and and get them out to the public. It's definitely something I still have the heart for. I actually tell people all the time, bartending is my favorite job. I love it more than anything. I love it more than singing. I love it more than cooking burgers, honestly. Mm -hmm. It's, I don't know why it's just, I love it. Yeah. And, uh, so, um, I do look forward to being able to do it. There's just more red tape with that business than mm-hmm. there are with others. And well, so, as soon as you, yeah. soon as you talk about alcohol, it's a whole different situation. I remember mm-hmm. at Chef Paul's, they were like, "Why don't you guys get alcohol?" Like, because once you do that, a lot of things have to change. Yep. To accommodate that. Yep. It's 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 really tough, and you know, doing something out of your house is kind of different than doing something the way you're supposed to do it. Yeah, as exactly. my profile grows. I no longer have the liberty to do things the wrong way. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I have to I have to step it up and do things the right way. And so a lot of times that takes time. It takes time. It takes money. A lot of money. Um, and yeah, so I believe I'll build to the place that I want to be with that business. Nice. Uh, but it's secondary to the burgers because okay. the burgers are it's just an easier game. And how is Grump, how is Grumpy Burger Ladies right now? Uh, I feel like we've been in transition forever. <laughs> um, I want a grant some months back nice. uh, for $15,000. I got another I, I got another $12,000 in grants towards opening a storefront. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so then you have money, right? Which is a lot of times when you're going into business ownership, a lot of us, especially people of color, don't have money. Yeah. <laughs> so now I got money. Mm-hmm. Now I got to get a building. <laughs> now I can't get a building. I yeah. was like, Jesus, <laughs> it, took, it was so hard to get this money. Yeah. And now I can't, you know, then you got to find a building because... A building has to be up to code. Mm-hmm. A building has to have a hood for a restaurant. It has to have a hood. It has to have drainage. It has to, to have things that either cost a lot of money to build, or you have to find it somewhere else. Mm-hmm. The fact that I want to be downtown that makes that that much more difficult. Mm-hmm. Those, a lot of those buildings are dilapidated. They're not up to code. They don't have working kitchens. You know, so my options are really limited. So mm-hmm. my new challenge has been finding home, finding a space to go where the owner is going to be kind and reasonable and not unethical. And, you know, exactly. finding my home where I'm going to be taken care of. Definitely have had our fair share of crappy landlords and things yeah. like that. So that I will say that's the hardest part about especially like you would think like because a lot of these a lot of, I didn't realize 
a lot of these owners are like older people who mm-hmm. just like they just don't they for lack of a better term they just don't care so it's like you like you would think like oh someone's trying to come in here and rent like they would be like i'm gonna say gracious but like appreciative like you know trying to like okay cool you know a lot of i mean just, and you know i used to think like that too but thinking like that assumes a lot of things it uh-huh. assumes that this building matters to them that this city matters to exactly. them that people matter to them right yeah. it assumes too much and reality is for a lot of people none of those things matter at all you know if you're someone who doesn't live here if you're <laughs> <laughs> someone who doesn't have any roots here you don't give a shit not at all you own a building you know depending on how rich you are maybe that building's just a write-off to you exactly maybe it's nothing you know exactly. you don't care so <laughs> well, yeah exactly yeah so last thing because i didn't then we're gonna pivot we're gonna pivot into and something else how do you how does the um black chamber of commerce commerce how did you how did you get into that because it's not like you have history and like black events in, in Fresno, mm-hmm. how did you get then get into the Black Chamber of Commerce and maybe explain to people what that is? Uh, so know. the Fresno Metro Black Chamber of Commerce is um, a chamber of commerce, a membership based organization uh, that serves the small business community mm-hmm. and the nonprofit community in the Central Valley, um, and specifically with emphasis on people of color even more specifically black people, but mm-hmm. it's a membership based service. So it is not exclusive to any race. Mm-hmm. Um, we provide the same services for everyone. Um, we, you know, our mission is to engage, educate and empower. So engaging you within our network, helping you grow your network as a business owner, educating you on how to do business because a lot of people, you know, don't necessarily know how to do business. It's easy to start a business and not know how to run one. People mm-hmm. do it every day. <laughs> You know, so educating people on the, the proper ways to go about that, um, you know, and then empowering them to be, uh, you know, be the light that they want to see in the world, mentor and, you know, scale your business, grow, be an example in our community. We need that especially. Right. Exactly. Uh, and so the, that's kind of the mission of the chamber. I got involved because um I had been, I was doing consulting. I approached him with a consulting contract and I Mm -hmm. said, you know, let me show all the people in Fresno with the great work that you guys are doing. I, I know, but it's because I know a little bit of everybody everywhere. Exactly. I know what y'all are doing, but I know a lot of people don't know what you're doing. Let me come in and you know, I'll, I'll plan some events for you and I'll do this and I'll do that and I'll get the word out. And, uh, they didn't respond for months, actually. <laughs> and then all of a sudden they offered me a job. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. they. I think, you know, uh, the old CEO, Tara, she, um, I know she saw something in me. Mm-hmm. I know, um, you know, I know she wanted to work with me. I think she, her wheels started turning on what is it that I want from this situation? Mm-hmm. And she figured it out. She put it on paper and I accepted. Yeah, that, that's, a, that's a good way to handle, like, handle a business deal. Like, how about we just hire you? Yeah, how about this yeah, instead? <laughs> exactly. Yeah, and, you know, we negotiated a little bit and it was, it was a tough transition for me because I was very, like, day job resistant for a long time. I felt like there's no way I can be this creative and be held down by a job mm. or someone else's organization and their views for their company. Like... But that's not, you know, that's not the reality of it. The reality of it is that, like, it grows you even more. 
it can and and in order to lead you have to be able to follow and exactly. you know there's a lot of principles in that and and i've grown so much over the last few years being at the chamber yes and also it connects me directly to resources for my own business exactly it's like you know <laughs> like i'm here in these meetings every day so i know what's i know what's available and mm -hmm. it also checked me on how much i had not been seeking those resources and using them mm -hmm. it really illuminated the fact that I thought I had it all figured out mm -hmm. and I definitely didn't <laughs> at all yeah you know there was a lot I didn't know so that's also been a huge benefit for me is I learn alongside the clients that I work with mm -hmm. and I get to go oh no no let's do it this way because I when I did it I followed this rule they told me and you know and it, so it's great because it's it, it creates a different vibe too it's not like oh, i'm your mentor and i'm telling you what to do it's yeah. like no i i'm just like you <laughs> figuring it out and learning and you know if you take the time you can you know you can learn and you can get farther than you are right now and i've learned that firsthand for myself mm -hmm. makes makes a lot of sense definitely i remember mutual friend eric was telling me about the black chamber because like i remember i went to the chamber of commerce I told him, I said, they can't help me, bro. He's like, you went to the wrong one. <laughs> you <laughs> <And> know, then, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Every chamber has different functions and they do different stuff. The thing that the black chamber has is a lot of programs. We need these programs as people mm -hmm. of color, as black people. We need it more than anybody. I mean, in a city like Fresno, a lot of people need it because a lot of people are poor. So realistically, everybody needs it here. Mm -hmm. But especially black people need it because as we know, all over the country we are the most impoverished mm -hmm. and we need the most help mm -hmm. in a lot of cases and so um we do a lot of program work our our work is all based around like you know i would say other chambers typically they're alongside you in support for maybe connections networking or That's whatever what was, like but that assumes you know what you're doing already exactly. <laughs> right so um I, i've been able to see from the chamber like there are so many um things that people don't know mm -hmm. and you have to be very smart about how you put that information in front of them we're, we're not coming to just any old body with their hand out i need help yeah. these are business owners these are people who had enough wherewithal they knew what they wanted to do and they started it and they implemented it and mm -hmm. whatever and for you know but now they're not at the place to be able to scale now yeah. you're you know you might be making ends meet and living comfortably mm -hmm. but you're working way too many hours you have no quality of life mm -hmm. like that's not what business is supposed to look like mm -hmm. you know but if you don't come and get the help and get the resource and get the knowledge mm -hmm. you don't know you're just doing things how you know to do them mm -hmm. right and so yeah the black chamber is definitely um there to bridge those gaps for folks um not just for black people but for everybody who might need bridges gap or gaps bridged you yeah. know Have you guys heard the saying, knowledge is power, but resources are king? That's the phrase that kept running through my mind as I listened to Des speak. During and after the pandemic, resources were very limited, as we all know. So you only had two options, either wait till resources were available again, or you took advantage of what was available. Des did a mixture of both. When demand was low for food, she switched over to bartending, which offered higher margins of return. When she was faced with the red tape of the bartending industry, she was able to go back to the restaurant business and leverage that for more opportunities. Even while working for the Black Chamber of Commerce, she quickly realized the resources that she wasn't tapping into and took advantage of those as well. We all start in different places and are faced with our own roller coaster of life. 
But if we can learn from dads to be observant for opportunities available, you will be able to take lateral steps that will continue to lead you to your goal instead of completely taking steps back. Now let's go back and listen to how Daz is able to handle all the things on her plate while still maintaining the things that are important to her. You know, I think that's a good segue because the last thing, well, not the last thing, but the, the you know, this like the, the whole point of this, of this, these interviews I'm doing is to, um, to like show, you know, showcase people what they do, their story, but also about, um, how they balance those things and how that, how do you incorporate, you know, entrepreneurship or, you know, like this high level of productivity and also not take away from your personal life. So I want to ask you personally, because yeah. honestly, like I said, you have children, you chamber, you also have multiple businesses. Like me personally, I'm like, I don't even know how <laughs> she makes all that that works. I was gonna yeah. say like how how do you like what what does that look like for you when it comes to balancing those things? Uh, one thing I've learned over the years because people ask me all the time, how do you do all the stuff that you do? Capacity building, which is a lot of what we teach through the chamber and for business owners. You only have so much capacity, right? You only have your cup, right? Um, I feel like I have a really big cup. <laughs> <laughs> it's really hard to fill it. It also takes a long time to pour it out, though. You know. Yeah. Um, uh, and over the years, I've realized that um, self-care is extremely important in everything that you're doing, that you have to be very intentional about how you grow your capacity, what you're growing it for, what is your purpose, what is your reason behind all these things, right? When I was younger, I think I would just take on lots of things. So I grew my capacity because I just took it all on. I just mm -hmm. piled on that plate and mm -hmm. bitch, you're going to eat it. Yeah. <laughs> like it's just, you know, whatever. Um, and so I grew a lot from that. Now I'm growing by pausing, mm -hmm. by recognizing where I've been, what I did to get me where I am in good ways and in bad ways. Mm-hmm. Um, and what I need to do to get to where I want to be. Because as much as I have on my plate and as much as I do, I'm still not where I want to be. Mm -hmm. And like you said, I have two kids and I have all of these responsibilities. I have employees now. I have staff who rely on the money that I put in their pockets, mm -hmm. you know. And um, so I'm realizing in this season that in order to build the capacity I need to get to that next level, it's I'm going into a season of listening and learning mm -hmm. and pausing, okay. you know, in your youth, you, you're pushing for it. You're like, I want it. I want it. I want it. <laughs> you know, and as, as uh, I'm getting older, I'm realizing it's more about um, what you're learning along the way. Mm -hmm. And when you're running towards something or rushing towards something, you're not picking up a lot, you know, mm -hmm. on the way. Yeah. Because you're running. <laughs> <laughs> so. so how so what are some of the obstacle well let me let me always i always forget to address things because in my head i always address it but anyways i'm one of those talk to myself in my head people too <laughs> <laughs> but yeah I, I think it's really like i like the way you said it were like at a younger age you piled that plate up because i think a lot of people can relate to that because some people have you know had a little bit of easier life and now when things are like more overwhelming for them it's like shut down yep and like to have that like at a younger age where it's like you were babysitting like all yeah. your cousins yeah and it's like working at an early age and things all these different things like color guard find it ways to make that work you kind of get to a point when you get older it's like 
we're just gonna make it work like we always do adversity definitely is such a great tool in my opinion and i do think that the lack thereof creates very lazy people yeah like you said who can't um can't with (laughs) deal with those challenges if somebody's always handed you Mm. everything you've never learned what it's like when it's not handed to you and when you have to earn it and you know go after it um yeah sorry i lost track of the question (laughs) (laughs) well it was it wasn't a question it was more just addressing that you know like that adversity how, how that adversity builds grit and character it definitely does um i ask myself now raising my children who will be raised more privileged even than i was and are gonna have far less adversity than i had mm-hmm. um even in terms of probably racism and things like that you know as this world shifts and changes changes and i ask myself like are they gonna be soft <laughs> are they gonna be you know mm-hmm. what i hate about privilege i really hope not because it's important to me that they do have some grit and some challenges and some things that force them to grow because that is that is exactly the reason why I am who I am. I was just watching this Tony Robbins documentary on Netflix about his thing and he's like, I don't resent my mother and her abuse of me because if she had not done that, I would not be the person that I am. Mm-hmm. That sure, I could look at it as I was an abused child. I was beaten and I was ostracized and all these things. Or I can say, because I was an abused child, now I'm this person that goes all over the world and helps all these people. Right. And so, um, yeah, I definitely am growing into a space where I appreciate the adversity that I've experienced in my life. Mm-hmm. You know, the opportunities that were always just out of reach for me. And even now still are. Uh, I appreciate that because I know I'm going to get to where I want to get to. And um, yeah, I'm, I'm glad that those challenges have made me more reasonable person and a person who can withstand the punches, take yeah. the hits. And that's the thing. That's the thing that's up. crazy. It's a line that I think about because it's all cyclical. Like, I think it was like, sorry if I'm quoting it wrong, but it's like um, uh, hard men. Hard times. Okay. Yeah, make yeah, soft I times. Like- and then soft times make soft men and soft men make hard times yeah yeah and it's it's crazy how like that that works because like when i think about like my grandparents like you know my grandparents are older so like grandpa was born 29 my grandma was born shortly after that so the times they went through was like crazy and like their kids are like the the product of like making sure they had everything they needed so they had wouldn't have to face the same circumstances but then like me being raised by one of those kids it was like it was a little bit like tumultuous you know like foreclosures and things like that now it's you know hopefully that has breeded me a different way but i I get worried about like you know i'm i'm gonna try to provide the next generation yeah Yeah. (laughs) what's up what's gonna happen with them i don't think like we can know the answer to that question but Mm -hmm. i will say that um i'm not easy on my kids i am uh i'm always challenging them Mm -hmm. i'm always making sure that they understand the positions that they could be in you know, there's a lot of people out here who have nothing. Anybody is one day away from having nothing, right? Anybody. Mm-hmm. The pandemic should have really taught people that because people fell from the highest <laughs> places down to Damn. the bottom. Yeah. So many people. Celebrities got OnlyFans. <laughs> Celebrities you know got I mean? PVP like, loans. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm just saying, like, you go from being a movie star to OnlyFans. Yeah, exactly. That was <laughs> like, your main income. Yeah, like, that's crazy. And that's great. Great yeah, for them exactly. that they pivoted. I just saw them. <laughs> they made, like, trillions of dollars. And exactly. like, that's awesome. But, you know, uh, you got to be willing to, to make those moves, too, because a lot of people just sat and wallowed. Exactly. Got their unemployment and were sad for themselves, <laughs> you know. <laughs> so let me ask you, like, we can probably we can probably close on this because I know you have to go. What are some of the 
challenges and obstacles that you faced? And then what were some of the skills that you had to learn to overcome them that maybe still serve you now? The biggest challenge and obstacle that I have faced, am facing, possibly will continue to face <laughs> is my own mindset. Mm-hmm. my own mindset about things, the limitations I place on myself. The interesting thing about me is I'm extremely confident around other people now because I've, I'm a people person, so I've experienced enough people to know I got some things together and I know what I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. So, but I am so insecure within self. I beat myself up the hardest. I don't ever celebrate my wins enough. Um, I actually was just in a meeting with a business coach before this and was talking about how married I am to my pain story, my (laughs) past and the things that have happened to me. And yeah, it goes back to almost that Tony Robbins thing. Like when, when are you going to realize that the things that you've been through are are the reason you are where you are right now Mm -hmm. and, and learning how to value that and appreciate it instead of making it a crutch or a reason, right? So my own mindset has always been, is currently, and I hope isn't always, um, my biggest obstacle. Mm -hmm. Getting out of your own way. Because you can only go so far as is. You have to constantly be growing, changing, pivoting, or you're not going to know what to do, right? You have to. So um, I'm the only one who can really get in my own way, and I do. Mm-hmm. And so that is that's an obstacle that I'm very aware of and I'm a lot more intentional of today than I was when I was younger, for sure. <laughs> exactly. Okay, dope. Um I think that I think that's everything I got written down. Great. You wanna uh, tell the people where they can find you at? Yeah. Uh make sure you're following Grumpy Burger Ladies, uh at Grumpy Burger Ladies. It's L A D Y S. Um and also D's Craft Experiences. You can follow at D's House Fresno. We're on Instagram and Facebook. Um, we post our events regularly, where we're going to be popping up and where you can find us all over town. Also, please follow Fresno Metro Black Chamber of Commerce. Sign up for our newsletter. Even if you don't become a member, there are so many opportunities that you can get for free just showing up and attending the different webinars and meetings that we have to offer. Bet on yourself as a business owner and show up for yourself and and do the thing you don't want to (laughs) do. Thank you. I, I appreciate you for having time for this interview today. Absolutely. That was great. Thank you. I hope you stopped being nervous at some point. Oh, yeah. I got that. I got over it pretty early. And there it is. Thank you for listening to this episode with the lovely Des Washington. I hope you got as much enjoyment out of it as I did recording it. To find out more about the show and find other episodes, check out wooziapparel.com forward slash pod. Or you can subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you prefer to listen to your podcasts. If you're watching the video version, do me a favor. Like this video and subscribe for more content. To my audio listeners, do me a huge favor and give us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. It helps out a lot. This is Najara, better known as Woozy. And thank you again for listening to the Creative Balance Show presented by Woozy Apparel.